Hey, who made you a disc jockey? Welcome from all of us to all of you. If you want to know how glad we are to have you with us, just you listen. Hi, and welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlife podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. It's episode 174. We're Finally. not dead. No, we're not dead. <laughs> Despite many people trying. <laughs> I've dodged a lot of bullets in the last month, and uh, Amanda has horked up a lot of phlegm. Already, we're coughing <laughs> almost directly into the microphone. We're going to have I moved a my head. show I moved today. my head. I'm going to get you a cough button, and it needs to be yay big. <laughs> it needs to be the size of, of the Staples Easy button. Uh, larger than <laughs> that. Larger than that. <laughs> so, yeah. It, uh, look, the, the ugly reality is, yeah, we, we try to do this every week, but it's, uh, yeah, just to plan for this. And this is not going to be a big show this week. We're just talking about a couple comics. But, you know, life gets in the way. The saga of the goddamn heat pump is finally <laughs> over. It is, is finally repaired. But, yeah, it took another week or so after our last show. And, the, yeah, it's just with day jobs and everything, sometimes it's hard to sit down and do the several hours of prep to get ready for the show and then record it and then the few hours of... You know, even rudimentary editing just to try to get the... You'd, most of this show is, uh, until I edit it. It really is. <laughs> you can tell the ones that we do live to tape where I don't have time to edit it because I sound uh, mildly spastic. Are you sure that you want them to hear about how the sausage gets made? Uh, well, it's too late now because I'm not going to edit it. <laughs> I'm not doing this. So we have good intentions every week, but yeah, we're two people with jobs and shit to do, and sometimes it gets in the way, so... We're back this week. We we'll are. definitely be back next week for Infinity War. Uh, we will, you know, we do the best we can. There's a reason I don't put up a Patreon for this. I feel <laughs> like an asshole taking money for this, yeah, only to find on Sunday, no, too hungover to do show, but keep sending money. <laughs> That's how we buy beer. <laughs> <laughs> to get hungover, not do show. No, <laughs> we spend our own money on yeah, that. That's true. I don't know what we would spend Patreon money on. It's, <laughs> it would seem kind of silly. The giant so. monitor you've always wanted. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that is the, the major downside to this heat pump is it took most of our tax refund money. I was going to get a brand new computer for the show. This computer for the show is about five years old. So literally, I have to boot it up and then walk away for like 45 minutes so it can chug and try and decide what updates it wants to install and... So yeah, I had great intentions of, I'm going to get a better computer with a bigger touchscreen so I can you know, have easier ways of doing, I'm an alcoholic, you know, my <laughs> stupid sound clips. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, it's all been spent uh, keeping the house warm. Just in time for us to head into temperatures in the upper 60s this week. That's all right. It's, uh, it's New England in springtime. We'll have about eight days where we don't require heat before we need the air conditioning because yes. it'll be 400% humidity with massive June bugs and mosquito hordes and that'll just, be this week. <laughs> uh, yeah, probably by Friday at this yeah. rate. So, so yeah, I mean, we, we have good intentions every week. Thank you for sticking with us. Uh, subscribe on iTunes or through the home website and you'll find out when there are new episodes, but we'll try to get back on the, the wagon. It's just, yeah. uh, <laughs> particularly because San Diego comic-con is coming up. It is. And we're going, and we are going, they don't want to make any part of this, easy it's yeah, i'm questioning whether or not they want us there this well, <laughs> here have some tickets but no nowhere to stay no well <laughs> we we do have somewhere to stay it's uh, over the last three weeks the hotel sales uh have gone through yes and over the years we started going to san diego comic-con in 2016 and that first year we went the hotel sales were the big deal that was you needed to try to lock in and the way they did it back then was okay the website's open and Go for it. <laughs> yeah, it was 
you bought them just then. It was not a. It was live. You put in your credit card number, and the whole transaction had to go through. And because of that, it was slow, and you'd get timed out. And it was a, just a mad dash as everybody tried to get into the Hilton or the Hyatt or the ones that were right close to the convention center. And over the years, they've modified that the same way they've modified everything else about the going to San Diego Comic Con experience. Mm. To up until last year, it was yeah. The form goes live at noon, and it is first come, first serve. Now the form, because it's not tied to any back end system of actually making a purchase, would load immediately and quickly. And it was really a case of you get in there and yes, you practice. We I would practice. It's <laughs> okay. I need this here. I have to put the hotel choices here. I need to check this box. Not check this box hit this radio button, put this in, and I would have like notepad instances open with certain things where it's like, I can't necessarily type this right the first time, so I want to be able to just double-click it and copy it and paste it. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, it was... I, I think the fastest I ever got the form in was in like 90 seconds, and the slowest I ever did it was like two and a half minutes. And every year we got pretty good hotel choices because... We understood with the experience, it was, yeah, it's first come, first served. You have to be quick on the gun. And it it really, up until last year, was the last part of the whole process of going to Comic-Con. It felt like you, as a human being, had any control over. Yes. Now, as long as you were willing to practice and be on the gun and really go quickly, yeah. you could get a convention rate room. Because 90 had- seconds to two minutes... Um, versus, say, three and a half to four minutes is the difference between getting something downtown and getting something in Mission Valley versus getting nothing. Yeah. At six to eight minutes, you might get Mission Valley. After eight minutes, you might as well have not even tried. Yeah. Um, but it's at least you had control over it. You knew that. You knew that this was the process. Experience would help you, and practicing could help you. Unlike getting tickets now, which is fundamentally a lottery now, if you've tried to go to San Diego, you know how it is. Yep, I'm in the waiting room, and now I sit. And either it gives me the ability to get tickets or I don't. Right. Um, yeah, now even the hotel sales have a waiting room. <laughs> so it's you join the waiting room, and you're completely randomized. So it's you have no control over it whatsoever. So yeah, it's a, we were in probably, I'm guessing, round two, because we uh, got the site at the five-minute mark, and still we got fuck all. Yeah, uh, and we've got uh, one friend, uh, Anne uh, Anna Beta, Gary Anna Beta, who's been on the show a few times. Uh, she got in before us and managed to get Mission Valley. So, <laughs> luckily, we we also because of experience know. Yeah, you really have to try to book a backup room, and even that's not as easy as it sounds no. these days. You know, back about ten years ago, yeah, pretty much any of the room, any of the hotels within a mile of Comic Con, you could still get a full price room. Now, certainly you weren't going to do that at the Hilton because it's 1500 bucks a night, <laughs> but you know, the holiday Inn down the road or something. And so, yeah, you could get a decent place to stay then a place with a hotel bar. And now a lot of those places, everything is completely pre-sold to the convention. Right. Uh, or they pre-sell so far ahead of time. I mean, there've been times we've booked a room nearly a year ahead of time just to make sure we have one. Uh, yeah. Last year, our backup room was by the hotel, but not the hotel, the airport for yeah. fuck's sake. Uh, <laughs> Our backup room is now, well, it's not a backup. I think it's where we're staying at this Probably. point. Probably. Uh, we are waitlisted for for tomorrow. Uh, yeah, so there's some sale tomorrow. But it, yeah, it's again, I can't take time off work No. <laughs> to, to make sure I'm at a computer you know, <laughs> that'll actually go forward with it. Yeah, so. the, the sales open up 15 minutes before I'm supposed to go into a meeting. So. 
Yeah, I mean, I might be able to work from home for part of the morning, maybe. Now, everything about going to Comic-Con, number one, it has always been a way to get your fucking wallet out. Yeah. From day one, no matter what you do. But now, number two, just the hoops you have to go through just to be there. I don't I've seriously broached with you, Amanda. I'm not sure it's fucking worth it anymore. It makes it more challenging to find enjoyment every year when they do this to you. And I get that it's supposed to make it fairer for all attendees, but it just seems to me that the hotel piece, you should be able to control where you lay your head down. (laughs) If, if If you were lucky enough to get tickets, you should be able to find a place to stay. Well, I mean, that's the thing, particularly hotels. I don't know what's fairer than first come, first serve. Yeah. You know, they have not run into, since they went to that system up until this year, they have not run into, oh, the form doesn't load. You know, it's, yeah, you know it's at noon Eastern time, nine uh, West Coast time. You log in, you do it fast. You know, it's uh, this one, I, I guarantee, comes from complaints of, you know, well, unfortunately, I had to run to the toilet or I had to uh, spend time with the mailman or, oh, my dog was urinating on the floor and it's not my fault. And it's uh, on one hand, I kind of get that. Yeah. Or why know. do I have to stay in Mission Valley every year? <laughs> you don't. Yeah. <laughs> what you do is you're there right at noon and you fill in the fucking form. Yeah. It's not that difficult. I mean, for five years in a row, we got to stay right next to the convention center. Why? Because we understood what the rules were and we followed them. <laughs> you know, yeah. what can you do? And so now it's it's really just between getting the tickets and, I mean, yeah, last year's experience where we managed to get Thursday and Sunday and managed to get a friend of a friend of a friend to kind of help us out with other days, which cost us another $500. Yeah. Um. Which, you know, then that was not scalp price. It was, yeah, I can get you the tickets. I'll give you the regular value. But uh, all right, we'd already spent on Tuesdays <laughs> and Sundays. Right. And we still have to get the flight. That's going to be 600 bucks a piece. And just, I'm not, I love San Diego Comic-Con like almost nothing else in the world. But it's also after a certain point. <laughs> they, they make it seem like they don't want you there. The number of hoops that you have to jump through in order to get there makes you feel unwanted. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's and at this point, it's it, no. It's very, it's very much an f you. It's you know. All right, if you don't want to put up with our bullshit, somebody else will. I mean, that's exactly true. I mean, that's a we've been extremely fortunate to not only go but go as many times as we have. But <laughs> now we're kind of being penalized for it. It's like yeah, we well no we we knew the system, we knew how it worked, and uh, believe me, it's not benefiting from it knowing that yeah. Noon means noon. First yeah. come, first serve means first come, first served. Why that's too difficult for people to follow, I, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm sorry you still have dial-up. That's not my problem. <laughs> yeah. Move. <laughs> Seriously. Move out of the sticks, jerks. <laughs> and it's, I realize, it, I'm sure it sounds possibly like sour grapes. Uh, I don't get to go to San Diego Comic-Con. Well... <laughs> You know, we'll try to do some shows from there. Yeah. Because we got a good track record of doing what we say when it comes to releasing shows. <laughs> sure. We can certainly be counted upon. <laughs> I mean, and there's certainly other things. There's there's some sort of sub-forum on Reddit for trading rooms for those people who have rooms. Um, Airbnb is a possibility, but th- that just frightens me. I don't want to stay in some stranger's house 
Oh, God. I don't know where they've rubbed their balls. Uh, I don't. <laughs> trust me. I, I'm a dude. Probably everywhere. Uh, so, yeah, I don't want any part of that. And it's it's a weird mental block because people rub their balls in hotels, too. But at least on paper, yeah, there was uh, that somebody's year in that there we, cleaning. There was that year that we, uh, one of the hotels that we, we got, we you know got in there. We're exhausted. We've got the jet lag going on, something fierce. Put our bags down. Go over. Open the curtains to look out onto the balcony. And there were these just... Two crystal clear ass prints. Yeah, some dip fuck had gone on our balcony. Had gone outside and rubbed their ass. And pressed a ham <laughs> up against the Twice. fucking balcony door. <laughs> and, and the level of shame involved, because we had nothing to do with this. This this is happening at us, to us, near us. Uh, calling housekeeping, could you send somebody up? Um, there are ass prints on our window. Yeah, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm not touching. Excuse me, what's on the window? They got my dick missed. <laughs> Like, no, I swear we didn't do it. We just got here. <laughs> yeah, and, and that was a room we paid full price for. Yes. <laughs> so that's the ironic thing. For about four of these years, yeah, we didn't go through convention hotels at all because it was, no, we know the hotel we want to go to. Yeah. And it is reasonably priced enough as these things go. We can just, yeah, no, here, we just want to book it so we don't have to worry about it. It's just at this point, you know, yeah, I mean, our backup room it's downtown, but it's sort of hell and gone from Cartagena as downtown <laughs> hotels go. Yeah. And yeah, it's uh, I think it's $110 the night we get there. And every convention night, it's nearly 500 bucks. Yeah. And we're not talking about the Taj Mahal here. No. Uh, the, the hotel bar, in quotes, I believe is the restaurant across the street. Now, at least we got that going for us. Right. There's a place we can go to get drunk where <laughs> we don't necessarily have to walk another five miles. Yeah. I don't know. It's it, it really almost feels. Look, Boston Comic Con's become really fucking good. <laughs> we and we can have an Uber come to our door <laughs> and take us to Boston Comic Con, and another Uber will take us back to our bed, where I know where the balls have been rubbed, and I'm okay with it. And I know whose ass prints are whose ass prints. Exactly. Yeah, it's I've a, said too much. It's a fifty-fifty shot. <laughs> and either way, they're acceptable ass prints. The ass prints of a stranger, no es bueno. No ass prints, okay, it's fine. <laughs> You know, and the craft beer is reasonably priced, and it's right in the fridge. <laughs> is it? Is it from Berkshire Brewing Company? It is fine. Berkshire Brewing Company lost Sailor IPA today. <laughs> Although I only got three of those. By the end of the show, when I'm slurring, it'll be Dogfish Head, uh, 60 Minute. Okay. I didn't get the 90 Minute because I want to live, and I, and I have to go to work tomorrow. So yeah, just uh, an update on San Diego Comic-Con. I mean, at this point, literally not a single part of it is under your control unless you're made of money. Yeah. So uh, luckily, we have no kids. Parker doesn't want to go to college. Yep, and we had the emergency fund to pay for. I mean, that'll be the other thing. I don't know what the air conditioning on our hotel will be, but if we decide instead next year to go to Boston Comic-Con, I hear that we have brand new air conditioning where we're staying. Yes. It had better fucking work, because I'm not calling those guys again. (laughs) Not doing it. Nope. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) Now that you've worked yourself up into a full lather. Oh, yeah, let's uh, a little beer will put out that fire. (laughs) So yeah, start thinking ahead. If there's a last year, uh, a listener asked us to go to the find out information on Miracle Man, and considering nothing from Miracle Man is happening, I'm already planning to go to the Cup of Joe panel and ask again, <laughs> "Where's my fucking Miracle Man, Silver Age and Dark Age?" Make sure you say it exactly like that in front of the four year old you step over to get to the mic. That she was six, and she knew what she was getting into. 
<laughs> you don't get to Comic-Con without knowing what you're getting into these days. There is no accidentally, oh, how did I wind up here? It is it is objective effort of fucking over your fellow man. Cup of Joe panel. How did I get here? Where are my pants? Where are my pants? I ask often at Comic-Con. That's a, that is a disconnected experience <laughs> from the actual attendance, which requires nut-cutting ferocity and willingness to just put Does your this hands look infected? In, put your hands in the fate of the gods. Hi, Mr. Quesada, a longtime listener, first time speaker at the mic. Does this look infected? <laughs> Note to self, don't be that guy at the convention. Uh no, I'm already that guy at the convention. <laughs> Where's my whiskey funnel? All right. <laughs> So should we actually uh, talk about comic books? Because yeah, why don't we do that? promised these scumbags a show. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, and like I said, this is going to be kind of a, a, a light week. Uh, the main things that we wanted to talk about are that we've, ever since DC Rebirth, me in particular, but you've been reading action comics yeah. and Superman since it started. It's like um, a, a weird time in my life where Superman's better than the Batman books lately. Uh, sometimes. <laughs> Often. You and I have different Not feelings. Not a lot of emo happening in these books. You, you and I have different feelings about uh, Tom King. <laughs> Nobody in these books has visited a hot topic. Uh, there's a Tom King story in one of the books we're going to talk about. <laughs> yeah, but somehow. <laughs> At least it's not. Uh, believe me, uh, you haven't read this week's Batman. I have not. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you the premise behind this week's Batman, just because I want to see the light go out in your eyes. Oh, good. Okay. So uh, you remember... Uh, Alan Moore's Superman for the man who has everything, yes. where they get him the uh, the flower. Uh, was it the Black Glory? Yes, that uh, sounds right. Yeah, that uh, makes him uh, see his wildest fantasies of still being on Krypton. Krypton hasn't been destroyed. He has a family. Uh, and Black Mercy was the actual. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, uh, and Superman has to force himself out of his greatest dream to come back to reality to defeat Mongol. Well. Booster Gold, knowing that Batman is getting married, has traveled through time and prevented the murder of Thomas and Martha Wayne. And then... He's a ruiner. (laughs) He ruins stuff. And then visits uh, Bruce Wayne now uh, with his parents alive as an adult saying, hey, this is this great thing that you did for Superman. I did the same thing for you so that you can see how the world needs a Batman. And uh, Bruce does not react well. (laughs) <laughs> shocking yeah that's uh that's this week's batman that's why i didn't even want to talk about it because i knew it would just fill you with <sighs> just depression well i thought it was okay i think king's uh, characterization of booster is a little too 1987 as opposed to how dan jurgens has sort of brought him up uh as the hero <laughs> that nobody's aware of the time traveling the protector of timelines, which means his actions don't even make sense within the current context of the character. But I get where they where he got it from. Like aspirants on the sliding glass door of, of comics. These are the stories of Tom King. I just went and reminded myself what the Tom King story is in Action Comics 1000. Yeah, it is the uh, one emo story in here. Oh, oh bye, Mom and Dad. I'm sorry that the whole planet's about to get eaten by the sun, but I love you. <laughs> not sure it was the only emo story, but it was definitely emo. Mm. You, you have a point. We're yeah. also not talking about Mr. Miracle this week. No, we're not. <laughs> but yes, we've enjoyed Superman, and uh, 
Yeah, it's a uh, Peter Tomasi and Patrick Gleason on Superman, and uh, that, I think it's Dan Jurgens. Uh, I'm just going back through my notes. You'd think I know off the top of my head, but I'm hungover. Like who the artist? Uh, no, Dan Jurgens did has been doing action comics. Oh yeah, yeah. So it's been Tomasi uh, and Gleason on Superman and Dan Jurgens on action. Right. They've been really good. It's the first time I've had both of those titles on my polls ever. Uh, yeah, I, no, I, they've been really, really solid. So. Yeah, it's they've really progressed. The, they progressed the character by bringing him sort of back to basics after the new Fifty Two stuff, and now Brian Michael Bendis is in, and you know, being the the new celebrity guy, he's taking everything over. Yes, and he's clearly got his own vision for it, and we see the beginnings of that vision in this week's Action Comics One Thousand. Yes, but I figured, uh, okay, we'll talk about the the last issue of Superman mm-hmm. that Tomasi and Gleason are are handling, and. Then we can go into the long, many story anthology <laughs> anthology that is Action Comics 1000. But yeah, first let's start with uh, Superman 45, written by Peter Tomasi uh, and Patrick Gleason, art by Patrick Gleason. Um, yeah, and it's I, I did. <laughs> it's this is very much a farewell. It is issue. It is. It's um, bittersweet. Yeah, it, it really is because again, they made Superman good because they made him. Superman again. It's, I mean, do you remember New 52 Superman? Who <sighs> had a t shirt? Yeah. <laughs> and he was a blogger? Or, you know, <laughs> or variously wearing, like, you know, no red undies on the outside. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. And his costume was uh, Kryptonian armor yeah. that just would appear and disappear at will, like Spider Man symbiote looked costume. Like it chafed. Yeah. Well, it <laughs> probably did because it was nanotech for some fucking reason <laughs> you know as superman known for his nanotech right yes it's really <laughs> oh wait i need my nanotech armor to disappear because i'm about to bone wonder woman because i live in this fanfic now <laughs> oh god yeah i'd put that out of my mind and god knows everybody tried with that but <laughs> i didn't i didn't read it i'm like nope nope yeah. and right out of this <laughs> oh, it's it's really weird how the new 52 has become kind of even more terrible in retrospect now yeah. that Rebirth has just been so fucking good. I mean, last night we were watching the Green Lantern movie on Blu-ray because <laughs> we were drunk. Yes. And uh, and it's a Blu-ray that I picked up back when it was new, back in 2011. And so we put it in, and we probably haven't watched it since I bought it. No. Uh, <laughs> and it was purely, yeah, we saw the Deadpool 2 trailer, and it was, as we started drinking, it's oh, let's watch Deadpool again, and then we were drunk enough. It's like more Ryan Reynolds because you got to be <laughs> only booze leads to those three <laughs> words being put together yes. at any given time. It's true. Um, so yeah, we threw in the Green Lantern 2011 Blu-ray, and the first thing that plays is an ad for the New Fifty Two, and I think both of us went, "Oh Jesus, no, no, <laughs> just don't do this." I mean, the New Fifty Two, it was. Kind of interesting at the time to start with, but I mean, just looking at some of the shit that came out of it that just has sort of been quietly thrown away. You know, blogger Superman with his suit of armor. I mean, Jesus, the number they did on Superman. Yeah. I mean, remember when Jeff Johns took that over for a while with John Romita Jr., I think, on art? And the biggest thing to come out of that arc was Superman's brand new fucking solar flare power. Yeah. That I don't even remember what it did, but it was a solar flare and <laughs> it left him powerless for 24 hours. And how Superman had fallen so far, it's like, oh, well, this is a breath of fresh air, this brand new thing that nobody ever heard of. It doesn't make a lot of sense. At least it's something new. 
you know, something new that isn't armor and nanotech and <laughs> Superman in a t-shirt kicking landlords in the taint <laughs> because he, he beat up one landlord in Action Comics 1, so now you've always got to be beating up a landlord when you name check old Superman. I think it's the law. Yeah, I've put a lot of that out of my mind. <laughs> oh, Yes. New 52 Superman, are, are, are you a mild-mannered reporter for a major metropolitan newspaper? <laughs> You're not mild-mannered. You're often liquored up and rude. I'm Superman, apparently. <laughs> apparently. <laughs> I've been waiting the whole show to do that clip. <laughs> but uh, not just Superman. It's you know, as, as good as Scott Snyder was generally on Batman. I mean, by the end of it, we had Commissioner Gordon as, as Robo-Bunny Batman. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's not a story that people are holding up with The Dark Knight Returns and, and Year One as a classic More Robo-Bunny. Said nobody <laughs> Said ever. Said nobody ever. <laughs> Ryan, what if Ryan Reynolds was in the suit? Nope. <laughs> uh, that would be a singularity. Uh, that would be the end of comics. We'd be reading pirate comics like in Watchmen. <laughs> That'd be the end of superhero comics. It would be. It would be. But Wonder Woman was the the god of war. You know, the Princess yeah. of Peace was the god of war. Okay. Lois Lane was fucking some TV reporter and had nothing to do with Superman. Green Lantern was a private detective. Actually, I like that. That was actually yeah, kind of okay. cool. But uh, yeah, it's what Tomasi and Gleason did it was a big part of bringing Superman back to being Superman. It was huge for a variety of reasons. Uh, one, it did away with the whole superheroes can't be married and have a family uh, yes. edict that had been enforced for both the, the big two publishers for some time. Yeah, well, in particular DC, because didn't they have to make it clear that uh, Aquaman couldn't be married to Mera? Yeah. Uh, as Jeff Johns, their number one hitter, was taking over Aquaman, said, no, they can't be married. Nobody's married in the DCU. Yeah, but also in uh, Marvel it was happening because during X-Factor, uh, Madrox and Layla, once they were like officially a thing and married, then they retired. Like was, You can't actually be active out in the world if you're married. Yeah. And I, that's also the whole, like they had to go ahead and break up Spider-Man and Mary Jane because God forbid you have an actual married, happy couple. Yeah, but you know what? At least now we have Spider-Man re- Renew Your Vows. Yes. Uh, which is actually pretty good on a month-to-month basis. Yeah, you know what it's about? Spider-Man and Mary Jane. Uh, Spider-Man and Mary Jane. And, <laughs> and their child. And their child, May. Yeah. Yeah, and it's actually pretty solid. Complete, completely out of continuity, <laughs> yeah. but I have fun with it every month. Not for everybody, but... But this is in continuity. It's it's. Which Earth did they come from? Because this book started off where they had to sort out that there were three Clark Kent slash Superman. Yeah, no, they're the ones from pre-New 52, pre-Flashpoint. Okay. All right. Uh, and there was a, a series which I did not read, because again, I was not paying a lot of attention to Superman through New 52, uh, at least not after Morrison left Action Comics. Is kind of stupid as a lot of those stories were in retrospect. It was interesting at the time. Uh, uh- it's Grant Morrison. Yeah, but there was uh, like The Adventures of Lois and Clark, I think it was. And I think it started as a digital book and was yeah. then being released in print retroactively. But yeah, it was the pre-Flashpoint Superman and Lois Lane had shifted to some pocket universe or alternate universe. And yeah. so they remembered everything, but they weren't of the DC universe. And I think they transitioned over, I want to say, during uh, Convergence. That sounds right. I didn't read every book in Convergence, as uh, although I read as many as I could, because even that was sort of a breath of, oh, yeah, I remember some of these characters. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I remember Oracle and yeah, some of these characters that we just don't see anymore. And- sure. But they, they, um, you know, they did a really great job bringing them in as the characters that would be the Superman and Lois of this universe going forward, um, killing off the New 52 Superman, which is what he deserved, and then revealing that the third Clark Kent was actually Mixelplek. <laughs> yeah. And that was a great arc. I, yeah. Although, sadly, sitting here, I don't remember if that was Superman or Action Comics. It was in the Superman books, I think. It I mean, might have been Action Comics, it too. Was, but it, it was one of the two. Yeah. So in any event now, in, in the Superman book, we've got this great story where Superman has had a, a heck of a time, because in a good way, because he gets to, to be a hero, but he also gets to teach the lessons he learned from Ma and Pa Kent to Jonathan, his son. Yeah, and it's weird. Giving Superman a son somehow feels organic. Yeah. Because Superman, done right, should sort of feel like everyone's dad or at least everyone's, you know, older uncle who has your best interests at heart and yeah. will give you a talking to. And It even humanizes him a little bit more because the the way he interacts, you'd, you'd think, given that he has got the reputation as the Boy Scout, it doesn't come off as like cloying and like Pa Cleaver or anything like that. It's... It's very much more of, it grounds him. Yeah. <laughs> and gives him depth in, in a good way. Yeah, it's a, I thought it was a, a good development in, in a way that I never thought Damien was a good development oh. for Batman. Still hate Damien. <laughs> I know. It's a, I don't want to say he's grown on me, but I, I've... I hate him I've, so much. I've grown resigned to, uh, we're stuck with him. Yeah. For good or ill, so. I'm kind of hoping, and I don't think it's going to happen, that he does turn out to be Deathstroke's kid because Deathstroke would treat him the way that he deserves. <laughs> <laughs> Which is to say, would put him in the line of danger all of the time. Yeah, you should read this week's Justice League, too, <laughs> actually. Speaking of Deathstroke. <laughs> uh, so how do you feel about the Justice League, Damien? You damn fool! You're more useless than Aquaman! <laughs> That's the only voice I know you can think of yes. when it comes to Damien. Seriously, just try reading everything about Damien Wayne. Any any line of dialogue that comes out of his mouth, do it as Stewie Griffin. Yep. Thank me later. Character, no. The character <laughs> will be ruined for you because that's never going away. <laughs> See here. But that's how Anywhere? he sounds because he's awful. Awful entitled <laughs> little thing. <laughs> and, and that was a great part of Superman early on when uh, yes. Batman and Damien went to check in because they were concerned about John and uh, John felt uh, Damien needed to be taught a few manners, as I recall correctly. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I think that's when I learned to like Superboy. <laughs> I'll always miss Connor Ken. No, you won't. <laughs> uh, all right, maybe by the time he was in Teen Titans. Not early Connor Kent. Fuck that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Stupid clone, round sunglasses, leather jacket Connor Kent can suck it. But yeah. black t-shirt Connor Kent, he was all right. He was all right. Uh, so yeah, I mean, the, this whole issue, yes, it's the, the conceit is on one level, okay, yep, we're finalizing our move from uh, the Midwest, was it, Hamilton? No, they're in upstate New York. Oh, are they? Yeah. Okay. Well, they're 300 f- miles outside of Metropolis is what it starts with. Uh, I, I don't read very well. That's why Hamilton, 300 miles north of Metropolis. Okay. So it's Hamilton, whatever. Yeah. Wherever Metropolis lives. I always assumed it was New York, but uh, I could be wrong. No, nah, I think that's the... I think that's the Batman versus Superman Justice League movie horseshit <laughs> of we're sister cities. Really? Really? Are you? <laughs> as much as I'll defend those movies up to a certain point. Yeah, that doesn't make a hell of a lot of sense except to minimize Batman's travel time. Yeah. <laughs> those stories. 
but it, yes, they're they're finalizing their move from this uh, very rural town to Metropolis, and they're using that as sort of a, a thinly veiled. Okay, everything changes, and sometimes it's depressing, and you have to sort of hope things are going to be better. But you well, know. they even go so far as to have uh, Superman quote the entire Robert Frost poem, "Nothing Gold Can Stay," <laughs> yes. to, to Jonathan. And it's a whole fucking page of the book. It is. And it's probably the best pop culture use of that since The Outsiders, which is not saying a lot. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, it's this book is very much a goodbye to this character from this creative team. And it, it, it's impossible to read it without seeing that. Yeah. No, it's... But that's okay, because the the love that these creators have for this characters these characters and this world that they've created for them really comes through and not in a cloying way or in a um possessive way it's just as a okay we're handing off to the next crew you know, yeah please do right by our our characters <laughs> yeah and and i gotta wonder if there aren't a few bad feelings because there were a couple things in this issue that are like uh, there's that whole sequence where Clark tells John, never forget the world doesn't owe you a thing. You yeah. can only choose who to be when things don't go your way. And it's I've got and I'm purely speculating here. I haven't read any interviews from Tomasi or Gleason or Jurgens or anybody who was involved with the Superman books coming from Rebirth up until this point. Uh, it does feel a little cynical, but on the other hand, I could totally see that being a, the kind of lesson that Pa Kent would have tried to impart to young Clark. Oh yeah, but it's it also it's a little bit odd because number one, that's one of the lines from Batman versus Superman <laughs> when when Ma Kent said, "You don't know this world a damn thing." It's like, okay, that sounds a little cynical and weird coming from Superman. And even in this issue itself, they sort of acknowledge it because they have John say, "Wow, that sounds like it should come from Damien's dad." Yeah, but, <laughs> that's true. So I mean. Yeah, it's. It, I mean, picture you're these guys. You spent two years taking Superman away from a character that even George Perez had to walk away from because right. DC editorial kept sticking their nose into things during the New Fifty Two, you know. And yeah, you've improved him and improved the sales, presumably, and you know made him a better character by taking him back to basics. Even, even though you've added this family life, it feels very organic. And then, yeah. And uh, oh, by the way, we've hired Bendis. Bye. <laughs> yeah, it's the the new guy from Marvel. You know, Marvel, who constantly talks shit about the distinguished competition. You know, <laughs> the, the guy who maybe he's coming in because he shot his wad at Marvel. You know, Civil War II didn't do much. You know, yeah, he did Ironheart and Miles Morales, but the editor-in-chief who greenlit him turned around and said, yeah, okay, maybe these kind of diversity characters aren't a good idea right before he got fired. Yeah. So, yeah. Maybe. <laughs> or maybe he just you know, realized that Marvel was becoming a complete shit show and left. <laughs> Yeah, there's that. That's very possible too. But you know, if you're on the the incoming side, where it's like, huh, okay, and you're gonna come in here and take over again, that's pure speculation. I it have, is. I have no idea how these guys feel. And again, I'm looking forward to what Bendis does with this. I like Brian Michael Bendis. I've got a few questions after his ten page story in Action Comics a thousand, but we'll get to those in a few minutes. I don't know if I have questions. I have comments. Okay, <laughs> that's fine. It's a geek comic book podcast. All we have are something called Action Comics, and somehow, even with action, you've managed to turn ten pages into talking heads. <laughs> we'll that, get to that. That's Bendis. Yeah. That's what he does. We'll get to that. <laughs> action Comics, nothing but talking heads. <laughs> Around a table, no less, in a diner. 
but we'll get to that. We'll get to that. So, uh, yeah, it's this is, is this issue of Superman. It's it's an emotional issue. It's, it is. Now we get to spend some time with some of the characters they introduced in Hamilton. And uh, yeah, it's it, Hamilton looks like a cool place to live if you were the sort of person that wanted to live in a small town somewhere. It's got a uh, you know alien refugees. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Boyzaro. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> there was a Rob Zaro also. <laughs> oh yeah, the, the Bizarro kids are everywhere. Yeah, they're everywhere. Um, there's uh, th- those those two girls who are super smart. And <laughs> oh yeah, Kathy and who's the other one? Oh uh, fuck, I forget. Kathy and the other one. Kathy and the other one. <laughs> Mina, I think, or something. I still don't want to go there <laughs> because I bet there's one liquor store and it's on the wrong side of town. Maya, Maya, Maya. Okay. <laughs> and it, yeah, it's on the wrong side of town. They, they, they probably judge you for buying booze on Sunday. Yeah, you can't get an Uber in Hamilton. Not easily. <laughs> Not easily. <laughs> and if you talk shit, Superman lives there. He'll come for your face. <laughs> So yeah, it's uh, this was very much a, a goodbye to Superman from creators who clearly cared about him, and they they should get credit uh, along with uh, Jurgens that yeah. they really did a lot good with Superman. They rehabbed this really thoroughly. Yes, in a way that I'm not sure I thought was possible at the height of the new Fifty Two. Yeah. So from that. The height or the, the nadir of the new 52? <laughs> yeah, God. <laughs> you know, we, we started as an entity then. Yeah, it was 2011. Yeah. Uh, right as the new 52 was starting. Our Some of our first pieces when we were writing reviews and stuff were on the new 52. Hatched so, from a bar right after Comic-Con <laughs> in San Diego. <laughs> yeah, so I should feel more uh, protective of the new 52. I mean, no. hell, again, I'm... <laughs> I'm one of the guys who will defend up to a point Batman versus Superman, but I no, not the new no, <laughs> I can't nope. do it. Ah, <laughs> uh, but that's gone. And now we have Action Comics 1000, uh, for all intents and purposes, written by Brian, uh, Brian Michael Bendis and uh, a bunch of other people. With, yes, uh, this is an 80-page giant issue. Yes, with art by Jim Lee and anybody else who didn't write the book, I think. <laughs> I may have I may have drawn some of this. Uh, I think I would have noticed. <laughs> That's possible. That'll look busier. And th- this is just weird, because I remember when Action Comics 500 came out. Yes. When I was, I was eight years old, and that was a weird time in comics, and I didn't realize it at the time, but yeah, that was 1979, so that was right after the DC implosion, when there were real problems at DC. Like, if you thought the New 52 was problematic, I mean, <laughs> DC canceled about half of their titles, and they laid off about 40% of their people, and I didn't, didn't really realize how bad it was at the time. All I knew at the time was, oh, shit, they canceled Star Hunters and Welcome Back, Cotter. That's a bummer. <laughs> I mean, but they almost canceled Detective Comics. The only reason yeah, Detective... The only reason that survived was people really pushed for it, so instead they sort of merged it with Batman Family, so it's if you look at any of those late 70s detective comics, it's Detective Comics Batman Family, and they sort of canceled Batman Family, sort of. They kind yeah. of merged them, but that's the only way. It know, lived. Yeah, but I mean, some of the books, you know, Aquaman got canceled, which... Shocks seem, no one. Yeah, shouldn't shock anybody. <laughs> but I mean, Commandi and Mr. Miracle and Shade the Ch- Changing Man, you got Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko, and you're canceling their fucking books. Uh, I mean, Shazam got canceled. That one hit me. I have the last Shazam. I have a piece of art from the last Shazam. That's right. God. That's right, you do. So I got a soft spot for Captain Marvel. 
not Shazam, Captain Marvel. <laughs> you hear me, Jeff Johns? I keep saying it. <laughs> you and like 800 other fanboys. Yeah, and that's that's us, but we're we're loud and mouthy. <laughs> we are. We are. Uh, so yeah, it's for action comics to hit 500 at the time, that was kind of a big deal. And now it's 40 fucking years later. Uh, time sucks. I don't it like, does. I don't like time passing. The, uh, as we talk about how these final stories from, um, Gleason and Tomasi and Jurgens, uh, Jurgens one is also, he has the first short story in this anthology. Yeah. Both creative teams get the first two stories in this, which yeah. I thought was classy. And it does feel also in, in Jurgen's story's case, again, like a a farewell, a, a love letter to what he had been doing on the book. Because it's Superman never wants to be in the spotlight. He just wants to help humanity. And the whole conceit of the story is Lois is coming together with the Justice League and everyone in Metropolis to try to get Superman to come actively participate in in the day that has been put together to honor him. Yeah, all right, so do you want to go through these one at a time? Yeah. <laughs> all right, so yeah, this is the first story in the book. It's called uh, From the City That Has Everything. It's written and drawn by Dan Jurgens. Yes. And uh, yeah, it's this story is, it kind of sets the tone for almost everything in the book. You, you either have Superman stories about how people react to Superman mm-hmm. or how Superman reacts to and affects other individual people Yes, with one or two emo outliers. But we'll get to that. <laughs> uh, so, and yeah, this is a column A story. Metropolis yes. is trying to have a day to appreciate Superman and Lois Lane and basically Batman are conspiring to keep literally all the trouble on the planet Earth away from Superman so he even shows up. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you're right. It's very much in the tone of how these two creative teams did Superman. He's just, uh, he is a person who just wants to help people and wants that to be his legacy that he passes on to his son. It's not about glory. It's not about statues. It's not, although Jonathan is all like, all right, mom, he's not here. Can I step informed? Huh? Huh? Can I? Can I? (laughs) Well, well, in. Which is what you would expect from a 10 year old boy. Well, yeah. And in uh, Superman 45, there's a, a statue that is. Uh, unveiled to in them, Hamilton yeah. of Superman and Superboy. And <laughs> yes, John is still learning the lesson of Humility. it's not about this. Yeah. <laughs> he still thinks it's cool and he's totally willing to, oh yeah, I'll, I'll take the honor in dad's behalf. Although he, he does you know hear and can re- er, re- regurgitate things like, it's not about the powers, it's about character. It's not about the powers, it's about character. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's how all kids are. You're just drumming into their heads and... Look, there's a reason we don't have any. I don't have the patience to do that shit either. It's, <laughs> why don't you understand it already? Dad's drinking. Can you, can can we have an object lesson uh, after Green Lantern? Because I can't handle more Ryan Reynolds, and I'll be willing to talk then. <laughs> no, I won't. I was unconscious before the movie was over. But, uh and Jurgens did cool stuff with this in not every one of these stories, and most of the stories here are are four to six pages. Yes. Uh, not every one of them really gets action and speaking and emotion yeah. in. This has a few great action panels of Superman stopping a Kund invasion. Yep. Uh, and then it gets it. So it's a, it's a good match of okay. Yep. There's some Superman action and some and he's also stuff. but his you know his his crime stopping mind is constantly suspicious in a way like things are going too well. Did I see something? Oh, Lois, is she under mind control? Like, <laughs> yeah. And it 
it's the great reveal of Lois keeps talking to the phone. No, Perry, he can't come to the phone right now. You're going to have to do without him, Perry. And then Perry goes up on stage. <laughs> And, and Superman realizes, you're not talking to Perry, you're talking to Batman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he could have used his super hearing at any time. Didn't. Yeah. It's it's all the beats you'd expect from a story like this. It's almost Silver Age in execution, you know, with the big alien invasion, he stops, and all Superman's friends show up, and, you know, despite the fact that they, just before they were all over the world stopping this invasion, they all managed to get to Metropolis and five pages superpowers but, uh, there you go but it's it's nice it's fun yeah you know and and i appreciate that they that dc was able to give you know these two creative teams the first two stories on it and this is a good one to start this kind of book look we've read these kind of anniversary issues for superman batman spider-man a million times they all follow a lot of the same beats and this one does and this story fills in those blanks very well but that's fine. You know yeah. what you you know what you're getting when you get something like this, and the, this particular one worked for me. Uh, as did the although anything else you want to talk about this before we move on? To no, the next we can one? we can move on to the next one. Okay, because again, these are short stories. There's not a hell yeah. of a lot to talk about with not with a lot to unpack. One. Although there's a, a great visual, I, I really appreciated uh, Jurgen's art in this. Oh yeah, it's uh, just good, simple, classic Superman art. But there's a whole one page where. where Lois is wearing a Superman t-shirt underneath her blouse and has been waiting all day to like rip open the shirt like she's, <laughs> like she's revealing Superman. the Superman suit. Yeah. No, it's, it's cool. There's some cool stuff in this one. Uh, second one by Tomasi and Gleason, Never Ending Battle. Um, yeah, it's this one is basically no story. There's a conceit behind it. And yes. The conceit is Vandal Savage has unstuck Superman in time and Superman's being forced to fight his way back to the present. Realistically, this is an excuse uh, to give Gleason the opportunity to do a bunch of splash pages. Of, yes. You know, what amount to classic Superman moments. And he's got a bunch of them from, you know, the look of early uh, Siegel and Schuster, you know, an almost gladiator style yep. Superman. Uh, to Silver Age, like Superman and Lilliput stories. We've got you know, a, an homage to Frank Miller's version yep. where he gets hit with the red lightning when the sun is out and he's all emaciated. Uh, we've got stuff from Rebirth of Superman. We've got Kingdom Come. Uh, and, we, and shit, there's even something from Superman the movie, basically. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah there's, there's a um, Phantom Zone splash. <laughs> swallowing beer. Yes. Yeah, with the, the the crystals of the, the the fortress of the movie Fortress of yeah. Solitude, and yeah, the Phantom Zone is the floating mirror that Superman's in. So yeah, it's this is not so much story; it's it's an art showcase, and it's a good one. It is, but they had their sort of you know final hurrah in their own book, right? During the you know, during yeah. the same release cycle. So, but you know, to be fair, they also ended on you know regardless of what's going on that Savage tried to put me through where he was trapping me in the past. You always learn from the past and what I've learned will always bring me back home to you, family. Yes. So, and I know that we're going to get to Bendis's story. I've, one thing that's interesting about Bendis's story, uh, nowhere do you see his family. <laughs> that is true. We'll talk about Bendis's yeah, story. I'm, I'm just saying, just because we'll get to it. I just wanted to draw draw like the parallel like right up front they've been hard hardcore all in on superman family yes and, and you're right <laughs> that is not a part of bendis's longest story in this 10 pages out of yes. the 80 that has no part of it for this particular one 
the only flaw I saw in it is as an art showcase, it's fine, but as a story, eh. well, it's <laughs> Vandal Savage is not really a Superman rogue, and if you're going to use Vandal Savage as this, you should really do the one classic moment where Vandal Savage actually captures Superman and says, "I burn my family alive, and I like to light things on fire." <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Uh, I tried not because I'm like, like, what classic comic did he? Oh, he's doing this, right? Right. I can't help it. (laughs) I'm an alcoholic. I have problems. (laughs) But yes, no. This one was fine. It was pretty. There was some cool arts in the cool art in the splash pages. So, but yeah, story wise, uh, it's just an excuse to do this, and that's fine for this kind of book. That's perfectly fine. Yes. Uh, Okay. Next one. Actually, I think it's a reprint. I'm not sure from where. The Enemy Within, written by Marv Wolfman, art by Kurt Swan and Kurt uh, Schaffenberger. Yeah, I think it's, I don't know if it's a reprint. I think it's a um, an adaptation because the original story was Kurt Swan, uh, Butch Geis, and Cindy Goff. Yeah, but it might be somewhat of an adaptation, but I know for a fact that the original art team was unavailable to work on this because they had prior commitments with remaining dead. Ah. So, yeah, this is not new <laughs> Kurt Swan, Scharfenberger arts. <laughs> this yeah. came from somewhere else before. Um, and it was clearly part of some other larger story. There's a couple panels with some homeless dude that have nothing to do with anything. Yeah. Superman only shows up on the last page. And yeah, based on the credits of this, I think it's a last page from something else that they just bolted on to the end of this. Uh, look, the reality is, yeah, it's kind of a pedestrian little story, but you can't really celebrate Superman without bringing in a couple of the key artists right. of, of Superman's history and yeah, it doesn't get much more stereotypical Superman. I mean, Swan did the art for whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow. Right. And the reason they brought him in for that is, yeah, for huge parts of the 60s and 70s, he was one of the main guys. So, And the art the art holds up. Oh, yeah. it's a, I'm, I'm guessing this got a, a color pass and maybe some additional uh, cleanup well, on the inking. Yeah, um, B- Butch Geis, am I pronouncing that right? Yes. Um, did ink for the first four pages. So he cleaned up the ink. Yep. And Kurt... Schaffenberger. Yes, did the inks on page five, which was the final page. Yep. And I like him as an inker. That Shazam page mm-hmm. that I said, he did the inks on that. So, yeah, it's a, if you're going to do... But this is, I mean, I think this is also an important one to have because it's it's one of those stories that falls in column B where we're talking about how Superman perceives um, the humanity around him and how he believes in the best of humans. Oh, yeah, and it has to be about that because Superman's only on the last page of this. Yeah, but it, it speaks to the whole, like, I, I can't be everywhere. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, again, I was fine with it and, and I respect the decision. It's It brings a couple of the classic Superman artists an opportunity for their work to be part of this big homage, and I think that's right, and I think it's yeah. important. Uh, okay. Anything else about that one? No. Or okay, so we go from that to, uh, to the, the car. The car, uh, written by Jeff Johns and Richard Donner, uh, who directed Superman and the movie, at least part of Superman Two. Uh, art by Olivier Coipel. Yeah, uh, this is really it's it's a simple little classic era Superman story that really it takes place in the thirties. Yeah, it's surprisingly complete. Yeah. And fulfilling in just a few pages. This is one of the ones I like better. 
Um, this is one of those stories that Jeff Johns likes to do where he gets to run around in, in the old school Bronze Age, Silver Age uh, sandbox. Yeah. Oh, this is pure Golden Age. Golden this Age, is, yeah. You know, this is the guy driving the car that Superman was throwing around on the cover of Action Comics 1. <laughs> in case you ever were curious about what happened to the car in Action Comics 1, yeah, this story tells yeah. the tale. <laughs> I mean, uh, I figure it's, he's, you know, he's telling the mechanic, uh, yeah, a guy in red underwear fucked up my car. And nobody <laughs> knows who he's talking about. Everybody thinks he's shit-faced. So, yeah, I imagine this is the first guy Superman stopped. Yes. And, uh... Yeah, it's a, to call out the art on this, uh, Koipel. What kind of parents would name their kid that? I'm sure I'm fucking that up. But he does a really good job, as Gleason did in a couple pages of Never Ending Battle, uh, actually, of showing Superman as like a 30s era bodybuilder. Yes. You know, he, a beefy dude, but not like a greased up steroid beast yeah. out of like Rob Liefeld or something. No, this is the you expect when you see in some of the old school comic books the the Charles Atlas, you know, you can build your body to look like me. Yeah. Kind of physiques. That particular era's ideal of a strong man. Yes. Which is very different than, <laughs> than anything since the 80s. Uh, and it's gave it a certain grounding which I, I like. So I really like the art in this one too. And uh yeah, I mean, we only get a few panels with Superman in this, but he's consistent with that early Superman. He hates bullies. Yep. Now, again, the whole, oh, he beats up crooked landlords. Well, that's because early Superman hated bullies, but he's still compassionate. He's still right. modern Superman. He returns, not to beat on the guy again, but to talk to him. And talking to him is what winds up working. He takes his first steps toward actually becoming a better person because of it. And and I liked that. Yeah. You know. Well, because it speaks to um, just as a as a hero, Superman is about saving you, not about delivering retribution. <laughs> right. And you know, a well, lot of superheroes, well, modern Superman <laughs> yeah. is those early early action comics. Yeah, he'd go in and tune people up. Yeah. Uh, it's over the course of not too long, but he did evolve into that. But yeah, again, if we're talking about the earliest, this is the first guy I fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> to retroactively say, no, he was still like that. We just didn't see all of that. I, I thought that was cool. Here's and what it, was happening off panel. Yeah. <laughs> and it's uh, just uh, some of the other art stuff in that. We get a little implied. It's a bird. It's a plane through a sequence of a couple panels without anybody having to say it. Yeah. Um, I mean, it it does everything that you would want and expect from both a classic golden age and a modern Superman story, and it does it in five pages. I counted it, 30 panels. Yeah. And it's complete and gives a message about who Superman is and what he is like. Now, granted, that still doesn't meet that record of Grant Morrison's four-panel, eight-words origin <laughs> of Superman from All-Star Superman, which is the gold standard, but it's still pretty fucking impressive. Yes. So this is one of my favorite stories in this book. Well, it's amazing. Yeah. Is it worth eight bucks? I don't know. but It's amazing how effectively, uh, despite you know it being a dialogue-heavy set of five pages, we are getting a lot of showing rather than telling. Yeah. Mr. Bendis. <laughs> You leave Bendis alone. No, he... I am no, no. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we'll we'll get to that. Uh, all right, so anything else about this one? No, I, just, I was impressed with it. Okay, uh, this next one uh, I was less impressed with. Uh, the fifth season, written by Scott Snyder, art by Raphael Albuquerque. Yeah, this was a weird one. Yeah, it's this one was 
it was okay, but it kind of doesn't hang together. It, With it, the doesn't, other ones. it doesn't stand up to any kind of scrutiny. <laughs> well, these guys, when they work together, are known for doing a horror book. <laughs> well, all right, number one, this is more about Lex Luthor than it is about Superman. Yeah. And that's fine. It makes sense for the kind of work that Snyder and Albuquerque do together because they're, they're best known for their run on um, American Vampire. Right. So I, I can see why you would do that. And it's all, okay, it's kind of something different. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with focusing on the biggest of Superman's rogues, you know, because their relationship is so... Fraught. It's, yeah, it's like Batman and Joker. Okay, you can talk... If you're talking about the Joker, you are tacitly talking about Batman. You Same complete thing here. me. <laughs> Anywho. Um, so yeah, it's a, Lex has stolen some shit to kill Superman, but they meet at the Smallville Planetarium, and they reminisce about some dumb fucking thing Lex did as a kid uh, that almost got him killed. Uh, but it also talks about his abusive relationship with his father, and in the end, there is detente. It's a, okay. The- yeah, <laughs> but it also gets to you know how Lex, despite having been so close to Superman, Clark Kent over the years, has no idea <laughs> of of the duality of of Superman, Clark Kent. Yeah, and that that was one of the biggest problems I had with this story, and, and it was purely based on the art. And I, I think both Snyder and Albuquerque tried to do too much in too little real estate. Mm. Um, I really had to read it a couple times to understand that the person using heat vision was Clark as a kid, that we were yeah. seeing a flashback. Because there are shortcuts that you have to take to indicate flashbacks. Usually it's a different coloring scheme or something. But here we have panels where, okay, it's Superman and Lex on the left, and some kid at a telescope on the right, and yeah. you have to figure out that, oh no, that's a flashback to Lex in the same panel as it's not a flash, and it wasn't clear to me. Right. And it's, I think it's purely they tried to take on too much and communicate too much in too short a time. And it's, it's ambitious, I just don't think it works particularly well. Because again, it's like, what, who the fuck is using heat vision? Because <laughs> Superman, I think, is in that panel. See, I I think I had a little less of a problem with that, if only because I've seen enough live action TV where they've done similar, you know, everybody's in the same room while the flashback is taking place. And it's that's fine. It's just I had trouble with it. That's and okay. Maybe it reflects poorly on me as a comics reader, but it's uh, I it, it was not clear to me. No, what? I mean this was not one of the strongest stories in here. I think it was ambitious, well, but not necessarily the strongest of these stories. It's. Uh, Again, I think he tried to to do too much with it. We've got a comparison here between Krypton's death and as the planetarium speech about the eventual death of the solar system. They try to tie yeah. Earth's eventual death, and but how? I don't get thematically what he was going for, except to bring that up to give Tom King the same gimmick to use in the next story. So it kind of falls flat. And then once you start to stop and think, things fall apart. What fucking small Kansas town has a planetarium? <laughs> I mean, I googled planetariums in Massachusetts, the entire state in which we live. A state with a lot of science-based schools. I'm going to go with there's one. No, there's seven, actually. Really? Yep. And they're all either in major cities or in college towns. There's one in Amherst. There's one in yeah. Springfield. So places with colleges have them. Uh so I guess in the world, we've got uh, major cities, Smallville, and Springfield from The Simpsons all have <laughs> planetariums. I guess Lex would take the monorail to the planetarium. 
I'm just guessing. Just but, guessing. So, and then once you start to go on that path, it's the whole thing about, oh, I built this laser with my lab partner in fourth grade. Really? What school gives fourth graders liquid nitrogen to play around with? (laughs) I didn't get to use an alcohol lamp in science class until eighth grade, and I still almost burned the fucking school to the ground. (laughs) Literally, I set the whole fucking lab counter on fire. I (laughs) barely got it put out. Nice work. Did you tip over the denatured alcohol? Is that what happened? uh, Yeah, that's exactly what happened, actually. I tilted it to light it and it yeah poured out the side and then as I lit it the whole counter uh, I burned um, all the hair off my thumb trying to use denatured alcohol to sanitize a glass pipette and it caught fire and ran down the pipette onto my hand yeah see I'm, <laughs> I'm burning off all the cilia off my liver as we speak alcohol's <laughs> a dangerous thing and that's alcohol that's not liquid nitrogen you, I was you, 16 you know what you get if you give fourth graders liquid nitrogen you don't get a fucking laser to shoot no, into space no freeze their hands off you get frog bits against every brick wall frozen frog bits <laughs> against every wall outside the school frog it's, baseball exactly so so yeah it's i think these guys tried for a lot here i just i don't think it really delivers this is one of the weaker ones to yeah. me um and i purely think it's they bit off more than they could chew with the real estate that they had um all right so uh tom king Yes, and why don't you talk about Tom King while I go turn the lights on? It's becoming dark it is here. It's becoming in the studio dark here. Suddenly the read. sun's going down. It's... So talk about Tom King while I run okay. the light switch. So the story is called "Of Tomorrow." Uh, Tom King wrote this with artist Clayman, uh, Jordi Belair as the colorist, John Workman as the letterer, and I will say the art is beautiful. This is a good the looking art story. Is beautiful. It's more beautiful now that we have light with which we <laughs> can, can look it. at it. Um, the conceit of the story is that it is the end of the world. It's what you hear about, like, X number of billion years from now. The, well, it's, yes, it's, it's exactly what was talked about in the planetarium in Snyder's yeah. story. The, uh, the, the sun is going to expand and take with it whatever planets it can, which will include Earth. Yes. and Because we won't be able to get out of the way. Right. And, and Superman muses on... The nature of his power. I could move the earth out of the way. Should I? Yes. No, yeah. I should not because it's not the right thing to do. It's very emo. It's very much in his head. Yes. Um, it's a, <laughs> he thinks about the, the things that he can do with his power as he stands on earth, as the sun expands, and as all stars expands, they shift into the red spectrum, which means he would be lying there fucking dead next to his goddamn parents, but let's not think about that part. Let's not think about that. <laughs> That's but the this one also feels like this one. This feels like every Doctor Who episode where you're, you've been brought to the end of like Earth's existence and you're going to watch it and <laughs> and muse on the nature of 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 life and death and that's that's what this is and this is all you know okay well i'm gonna come say goodbye to my parents for one last time and yeah just so you know dead mom and dad lois is fine you know she's been taking the eternity for uh, serum every day she's getting sick of it but you know, she's doing well and, and jonathan's doing all right oh did i mention the eternity serum tastes like grapes she used to like how grapes taste now she's kind of sick of it so Basically, you drink about two bottles of the Eternity Serum every night with dinner. Pretty much. I want to live forever. And I'm not sick of how it tastes yet. <laughs> but it's, okay. I mean, I, as the story goes, it's its not bad. Uh, yeah, it's its pretty low key. I mean, yeah. I guess it's nice to have an inkling that Superman will live forever. We kind of knew that from Grant Morrison's one million, DC 1 million, but, yeah. but okay. 
Uh, and it's great that his family gets to survive with him. Well, you know, rank has its privileges. You know? <laughs> Being Superman's friend <laughs> goes a long way. Membership has its privileges. Exactly. Uh, Tastes like grape. Yeah, but it, it's also weird. It's like, oh, this is the last time I'm saying goodbye to my parents. Superman can't really say goodbye to his parents. They're they're a part of him. That's part of what makes him Superman. It's part of what makes him so generally decent. Yeah. So the idea, okay, I'm really giving my final farewell to you, feels kind of hollow. Because, all right, you can't go back to Earth, but it's not going to make your parents not part of you, for Christ's sake. It's No, but that's also, again, why I felt this seemed a little bit like, you know, any science fiction show, Doctor Who is what came to mind, where it's like, oh, let's let's flash forward ahead to you get to see what the what it looks like when Earth is on its last moments. <laughs> that's not tragedy. Here's tragedy. They talked the bar! <laughs> the whole fucking bar! <laughs> I've missed the soundboard. <laughs> um, but... It, yeah, it's it's a nice little limited piece that you know reminds us we're the sum of our experiences and that nobody's ever dead if somebody remembers them. It yeah, just, it didn't feel like really there's a hell of a lot there. Part of it may be I'm pretty sure this entire story uh, leaked online. So I think I've read this a couple of times over the last few weeks. So this is the one thing uh, where it was like not new, okay. which probably didn't help. But uh, yeah, it's a, okay. This is okay. It's kind of nice, but uh, yeah, it didn't really hit as hard as, as a couple of the other ones did. Right. For me. Okay. All Let's right. Let's move along. Uh, next one. Uh, five Minutes, written by Louise Simonson. Did I get that right? Yeah. Uh, Louise Simonson, art Jerry by Ordway. Jerry Ordway. So yeah, here's our entry that pays tribute to the whole post-crisis Death of Superman era. Yep. Which is fine. It's some, you know, Death of Superman is a major part of Superman's history, so you've got to do something with it. And what they do, it's really... Pretty simple, old-school story. Clark has five minutes to deadline at the planet. But all of these other crises come up that Superman has, has to handle. Yeah, he hears a train derailing somewhere, so he flies off to save it, and then he saves his buddy Bibbo from getting murdered by muggers. Bibbo. We don't see Bibbo a lot. It's because Bibbo sucks. Bibbo's <laughs> always been stupid. I hate Bibbo. <laughs> Superman has a U, not an O-O. Every time I see S-O-O, Superman! he fills me with hatred and rage. <laughs> Bibbo has always bothered me, and it's part of why I didn't like this story as much as <laughs> I'd liked. And look, I read a lot of Adventures of Superman and Superman in the early 90s. I kind of petered off before Death of Superman yeah. came, but it's, yeah, it's Superman has a perfectly good stable of friend characters between Perry and Lois and Jimmy. We've got all the pal and love interest, and all the bases are covered. What did Bibbo add? misspelled Superman street at least cred? five times. <laughs> street cred. Yeah. Bibbo the Xboxer who yeah. can't spell. I don't know. Yeah, okay. I never liked Bibbo. But anyway, so yeah, <laughs> he saves Bibbo to much of my consternation. Uh, and then, yeah, he goes back to the planet just in time to file his story, only to be told, nope, you got to go out and cover all the shit Superman's done in the last five <laughs> minutes. We'll hold the presses for you. Yeah. So, I mean, it's fine. And yeah. it's self-contained, and there's a lot going on. This is one of those that has plenty of action to go along with it. I um, like Ordway's art, too, so that was nice to see. Yeah, I mean, that look is always going to evoke that era of Superman comics. And again, you know, comics when I'm 16, 17, 18, 19 years old are always going to have a certain place in my heart. Bibbo will not, but <laughs> that's okay. Because, um, yeah, it's weird. It's, I, I really love a lot of that era. I love John Burns' Man of Steel. I love a lot of what those guys did. Yeah. I hate Bibbo so fucking much. <laughs> it's, I can't stand him. How do you really feel? He's the, he's the fucking shemp of Superman. He's the worst. <laughs> he's just terrible. 
But, I mean, uh, look, this was not a bad little story that really was a good representation of that era, and that is an important era of Superman stories. But, I mean, yeah, it's it's not going to make you any smarter. It doesn't save the world. It's, well, he did you know, save the world. Well, <laughs> not in this story. He saved Bibbo. Yeah, he saved... Bibbo is the world. <laughs> <laughs> you shut your whore mouth. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Who's sleeping on the couch? You're sleeping on the couch. <laughs> we've 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 had jokes back and forth using that phrase all week. We shouldn't bring inside jokes into the show. We shouldn't. <laughs> um, I may have yelled that at at a, at a television chef this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> it was in reference to making beef fat ice cream. Yes. So you draw your own conclusions. Yeah, look, there's uh, <laughs> we we have rich inner lives. <laughs> a lot goes on in a month between shows. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, it's uh, this was this is fine. It, I liked it. Um, yes. No bibbo. No bibbo. <laughs> uh, all right, that brings us to Paul uh, Dini. Yes, Action Land, written by Paul Dini, art by Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Mm-hmm. Again, another story you would totally expect to see in a book like this: a, a recap of Superman's life, apparently after it's over, that turns out to be narrated by Mister Mixelplick, who just finds himself too challenged by Superman to be able to imagine a way that he could really end him. They are defined by each other in their own estimations and which is good character beat for Mixelplick. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it specifically name checks, dude, you're a God basically from the fifth dimension. You could eliminate Superman with a thought. No, I can't do it because the, the challenge is just, I find it too interesting. Yeah. It, it was, it's a cute story. It was a cute story. Yeah, um, that's exactly what happened by notes. It's cute. Yeah, it's an excuse for uh, Garcia Lopez to draw a giant robot and most and of the cheesecake and cheesecake and most of the Justice League. Yes, and considering uh, he is the guy who over the years has drawn most of the DC style guides that almost every merchandiser who builds or makes DC merchandise uh, they base on his style. Yeah, giving him an excuse to do a panel or two while he where he's drawing the whole justice the whole league. <laughs> justice league that's that's no small thing. It's cool. Yeah. So it's it's good looking, but yeah, it's a pretty standard story you'd expect for kind of this. For, you'd expect for this kind of of, of book. Yeah. But it was we, it's a lighthearted moment though. Yes. Before we get into we're coming up on the end. <laughs> The last couple of stories. Yes. Um, but the second to last was was another one of my favorites in this. Yes. Uh, Faster Than a Speeding Bullet, written by Brad Meltzer. Which this will, was good. Yes. It, it'll <laughs> Just saying by Brad Meltzer, a lot of people will go, Oh, uh, Identity I, Crisis. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> we, we liked Identity Crisis, so yeah. that was not a problem. Not sure what that says about me, but you know. <laughs> uh, art by John Cassidy, which is never oh, a bad thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, this, this book is worth it, honestly, for the art. In a lot of ways, yeah. With it's 80 a, pages. It's a really good-looking book um, with a few pinups thrown in by people who uh, didn't get a chance to, to draw on stories. This so. pinup that shows up right before um, Faster Than a Speeding Bullet is by Walter Simonson, and it's just a, a study in shading. <laughs> it's it's brilliant. Show it to me? Cause I, it's, it's Superman... Oh, yeah. um, in shadow, flying out of the sun, flying out of God the sun. Sake. Yeah, by the guy best known for drawing Thor, Thor. the God of Thunder. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a good looking book, and this is a good looking little story. I mean, it's it's simple. Superman sees a hostage situation from far away. He sees the bad guy pull the trigger, and he knows that he can't make it there in time to stop it. So the whole thing happens in slow motion. As the gun is going off and Superman is trying to get there in time to stop the bullet, knowing he can't, 
but again, with stories about Superman admires people or people admire, admire Superman, this is one where Superman admires the particular person being menaced and how she takes a certain amount of control over the situation yeah. you know, in spite of how terrifying it she is. She literally leans into it, yeah. <laughs> which throws the guy. <laughs> yeah, it's a simple story. Superman is basically flying in a straight line. Since it's in slow motion, we just see the gun sort of go off. Nobody's moving a lot. We sort of see the bullet moving through the gun. But son of a bitch, if Cassidy still doesn't find a way to take what is static and in slow motion and give it subtle changes and changes in perspective and how close you are to to really fill it up with what feels like a lot of action when there really isn't, yeah. but definitely fills it with suspense. Absolutely. And, and uh, this is dedicated to Christopher Reeve, this story. It's, well, and it kind of makes sense because, you know, part of how, when John Byrne did Man of Steel, and, and that was one thing uh, that this story reminded me of, uh, Byrne specifically said, well, the idea of the all-powerful Silver Age Superman, I, I didn't like that, so I wanted to mm. give him some limitations. And this story in particular sort of embraces that. And to, to get to the point, Byrne said a lot of that was inspired by Christopher Reeve uh, yeah. in that movie. So this story, yeah, takes Superman, takes all the cosmic shit out. This is a very street-level, dude-with-a-gun, Superman trying to save a person kind of story, and it does something that you don't see all the time. It it puts a limit on Superman's powers, and really it's him working against his own limitations, which you don't see all the time. No, it's true, because it, he, despite everybody you know, being in awe of how powerful he is, he is not a god. Yeah. So he, he knows that he does have limits. They don't come up often. Yeah, he flat out says in this, like, you know, I know how fast I can go, and I know how much time I have. It's simple math. I'm not going to make it. Yeah. But he keeps pushing himself because it's, Again, to the, the core of Superman, I got to try. Um, but so, yeah, it's this one I liked a lot. It looked great. It was a very different kind of story in certain ways. In its own ways, it wasn't. Again, it was, wow, Superman's inspired by people. Yeah. yeah so, all right, it falls under one of the two great categories. But still, this is this is probably one of my couple favorites in this one. It's it's No, it's, it's, it's solid. And it sets us up for the last story. <laughs> Wait, I'm getting some nicotine. I'm going to need it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, yes. So now we're into Bendis. Now, now we're, we're into Bendis. We're at the start of what we're going to be in for for Superman for the immediate future. Uh, the Truth, written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by Jim Lee. And yeah, only Bendis can take a 12-page story that starts with action. Superman being punched through a fucking building. Yeah. And still find a way for half of it to be about a couple people sitting around a table talking to each other. Our new villain really loves to hear himself talk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> his name's Axel Alonso. No. No, no it's not. Uh, yeah, it's uh, look, this is a it's a pretty simple story. It's got some cool beats. It's uh, look, we're sitting here, oh, do you, people talking around a table. I, I, I generally like Bendis having people talk around a table. The, the people talking around a table in this make it a more human story in a lot of ways than it should be. This is a cosmic level threat beating the shit out of Superman and Supergirl. So when we say, though, talking around a table, uh, 
Superman's been laid out. Um, he's sort of on the table, which is now smashed on the floor. Yes. The people talking around him are uh, the owner of the restaurant, which has now been decimated, and one of the patrons. So they're talking around him. <laughs> yes, but, but that's okay. <laughs> it, it's all right. Because they're commenting on things like, oh, he's got his red undies back on. That's important. Yeah. <laughs> well, all right. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Um, Okay, so there is some cool stuff in this. We have this new existential threat to Superman. Yes. Uh, There is a ton of action, although most of it is Superman getting his ass kicked, which, as the final story in a tribute to Superman, interesting choice, but okay. (laughs) Um, Yes, we've got the Bendis talking heads, two women in a diner. That Yeah, they're talking as Superman gets blown in unconscious. They try to help him without getting themselves killed. Um, And yeah, it's, it's pure Bendis. You know, people talking ephemera during the action to make things feel more human. And it also finally gives us the weak excuse as to why Superman's wearing his trunks. Uh, <laughs> spoilers, it's because he doesn't look like Superman without them, which I agree with. And <laughs> and also possibly maybe red undies are a symbol of hope on Krypton. Well, that's what I was going to say. You can take the boy out of Marvel. <laughs> he uses it as an excuse to poke fun at Man of Steel. It's like, oh no, I heard red trunks stand for hope. It's, of course, did. <laughs> Your first fucking five pages at DC, take a poke at their misfortune in the fucking movie yeah. front. That's not cool, man. That's <laughs> not right. But it's, yeah, all right, so there's there's a bunch of good stuff in here. But there's stuff in here that is also concerning, that make me concerned about what's coming after all this great stuff from Tomasi and Jurgens and, and, and Gleason and everybody involved. They really elevated Superman by taking him back to basics, and now we have this new Cosmic level story. Yeah, it's now we've got this new character, cosmic character, Rogal Czar. Okay, but his statement it sounds is, like something I coughed up this morning. Well, <laughs> tomorrow is another day. Give it time. <laughs> but it, it, his statement that spoilers, he says he's the one who destroyed Krypton. It didn't destroy itself, it wasn't a result of the hubris of years of Kryptonian mining or whatever the hell they did. It's nope, I came and blew it up. Because yeah. I hate all Kryptonians. And and they're a disease that has to be wiped out. And the title of this is called The Truth. So Bendis taking a bold stand on everything that you thought you knew about Krypton over the last several decades, it's a lie. Yeah, and that scares me terribly. Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> it indicates DC might, might be taking Bendis in while he's fully hubris, and he might... Straczynski Superman up. <laughs> He's going to go for a walk? Yeah, it's... <laughs> <And> it, <laughs> that's not even the, the Straczynski story I was getting at. That, wow, dogfish head. I No, this is still The Lost Sailor. Anyway. Um, <laughs> whenever a writer comes into a book and says, I thought of an idea that makes, you, that makes everything you ever thought about this book and this character wrong, you might be looking at a bad time because with Straczynski, when I brought him up, I was thinking Spider-Man because mm. he walked into Spider-Man thinking, oh, what if the radioactive spider wasn't an accident? What if it went looking for Peter and now suddenly we've got spider totems and Ezekiel and, and you know, that, yeah, it's now Peter's been chosen to take on a lineage of spider powers. Yeah, it was new and different, but it also sucked and nobody really wanted it. Um, and it, it took one of the core ideas about Spider-Man, that it was an accident that could happen to anybody. Hey, including you, child reading this in 1960-whatever, 
and instead turned it into a Luke Skywalker destiny story that yeah and it's it didn't need to happen it's it's similar thing Grant Morrison deciding oh I'm gonna take anything that Batman's ever published in uh, is part of his backstory and yeah now you have Damien even though Mike W Barr's Son of the Demon was never supposed to be in continuity but yeah. okay. Uh, and uh, yeah, you get Batman of Zurinar and <laughs> you're going to have a bad time. I know a lot of people love that arc and you and I, Amanda, are not among them. No. Uh, the only person who has ever done this kind of thing really right to say everything you thought was wrong and here's a reason why is Alan Moore with Swamp Thing and with Miracle Man and arguably with Charlton characters with Watchmen and he did it because he's Alan fucking Moore. Right. Not everybody can do that. You know, when has Bendis done something like that? I mean, you could argue new Avengers, but even that was just, you know what? Let's blow all the Avengers out and put all the cool characters from the books I read as a kid into Marvel. And that's not genius. That's giving Avengers to any kid on a schoolyard from 1981. Um, I, I would be hard pressed to come up with a, a Bendis story. I, I think he has tried with things like Civil War too, but those did not come out well. Yeah, that didn't work. Um, you could argue Secret Invasion, but was that him? That was him. But all that got us was a year of dark rain, which was just depressing and yeah. not particularly good. And frankly, most of what he did with Dark Rain actually came from what Warren Ellis did with. Norman Osborn on right. Thunderbolts, which had nothing to do with what Secret Invasion was going to do. He just said, oh, okay, I'll take this thing Warren Ellis did and right. make that cool. And it didn't work. It didn't work. <laughs> um, I mean, the, the two main things I could think of were Moon Knight, you know, where he took Moon Knight and instead of the multiple personalities, thought that he was being talked to by Wolverine and Captain America yeah. and Spider-Man. And that was pretty solid, but even that wasn't solid enough that, again, Warren Ellis came in and did his interpretation yeah. with Mr. Knight that completely blew that away. So Bendis's run on Moon Knight might as well not have even happened six months after he was done, which is a shame because it was pretty good, but it clearly was not earth-shattering. Yeah, yet. I mean, really the only groundbreaking is really the um, Jessica Jones because well, it, it took a, a D-list character... <laughs> Jessica Jones would have been if it was his original idea to use Spider-Woman. Yeah. Uh, which was, uh, Quesada said, no, it can't be Spider-Woman, but you can create it. Because, yeah, it was originally supposed to be Jessica Drew. Jessica Drew. So, yeah, that probably would have worked. The best I could think of was Ultimate Spider-Man, but even that, I'm not sure how much that counts because part of that was supposed to be this is its own continuity. Yeah. So sort of wink and nod to well, old stuff. Miles Morales came out of that, and he generated enough fan um, enthusiasm that now he's a part of the 616. He definitely did, but that was not an everything you thought was wrong kind of thing. True. That was not a deconstruction, which... Uh, yeah, so I, I think if we talk about deconstruction, it would have been Jessica Jones had it been Jessica Drew. Okay, so he's got it in him, but even then we're talking a 17-year-old story that wound up being a whole different thing than it was. Yes. Uh, powers, maybe. Yeah. Uh, I got powers, uh, maybe. All right, so there's a possibility here. But it's certainly, he's no Alan Moore. No. And I always get nervous when it's, oh, this thi everything you thought from the very beginning was wrong. If you start tinkering at that level, unless you're doing it in a really genius way, you're going to have a hard time. Yeah. 
And I don't want Bendis to have a hard time. I like Brian Michael Bendis. I'm not one of these people who are like, talking heads and books are too long. I've always been a fan. Certain yeah. things I like better than others. I'm not watching, and, and I'm certainly not enough of a Marvel fanboy. Yeah, the show's not as regular as it used to be, but listen to the last, say, 30 episodes. If you think we're like, yeah, Marvel yay, no. not these days, kids. <laughs> I'd like to be Marvel yay again. But uh, all right, right now I think DC's on the up. So it's, ah, yeah, I want him to go and do good work there. I get very nervous when, oh, I'm going to fuck with... Again, we talked about the perfect four-panel eight words Mm -hmm. from Grant Morrison when it comes to Superman. Okay, Bendis is fucking with panel one, words one and two. (laughs) That's a a dangerous thing to do. He could pull it off. I need to see more. But then again, um, Civil War II does not make me hopeful for anything that he has ever written uh, recently or will be writing in the future. Uh, Not events. I don't think Bendis has ever been good at events. No, but I think he now views everything that he's involved with as an event. Uh, that's pure speculation. I certainly hope not. Uh, and I'm not sure that... Uh, I'm at DC. It's an event. Well, I think DC's playing that up as much as anybody else. Uh, from recent interviews I've read with Bendis in the last week, his next step at DC is to bring his Jinx World stuff over. So he is not looking to give me all the books the way he did with Marvel, at least not to start with. Mm. Uh, I think it's very much speculation to say, oh, okay, my being at DC is an event and I can take whatever I want. I don't really think that's the case. I hope that's not the case. Because, yeah, it's, I mean, looking at his events over the years, I'll stand by Avengers Disassembled, uh, yeah, but, beyond, but that was years ago. Yeah, but I mean, beyond that, uh, that was that was an event in a single title. Yes, uh, his big event books, uh, House of M, really didn't do a hell of a lot for me. Secret Invasion, the reveal of Secret Invasion in New Avengers uh, when Elektra was killed and it turned out she was a scroll. That was amazing. The actual event itself, Lesser. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, Civil War II, certainly. Age of Ultron, I mean, <laughs> uh, that was one. Yeah, look back on our archives. I think in one of my reviews of it, that I went full uh, red letter media. It's like, tell me who the protagonist of this is. And if you can't figure out who the good guy is, <laughs> or even who's driving the action, it's like, this is just shit that's happening, and it's not doing anything for me. Right. So yeah, I don't think he can do events. Uh, if he can do something interesting with Superman, and I think he can... Again, I just get very nervous when the first move is I'm fucking with the very, I mean, literally, the last son of Krypton is the first panel of Action Comics 1. You are fucking with panel one of Superhero 1. Tread lightly, boy. (laughs) Be very careful, son. You're fucking around with things that are, you're at an atomic level now. (laughs) Yeah. I will will wait and see. But, I mean, it looked good. It was standard, good-looking Jim Lee art. Oh, yeah. It's uh, Clearly, he's embracing the, the action involved in it. It wasn't He got his talking heads in there, but it wasn't about that. He's clearly saying, okay, it's Superman, but that also means at least Supergirl, so there will be other characters brought into it. Um, Promote synergy. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Promote synergy! <laughs> A little slow on the gun. Um, I mean, the one other thing... That I'm not sure I agree with. Part of his goal is to create a new Superman villain for the ages. His position is that Superman's rogue gallery is kind of light compared to other heroes. 
And initially I thought, well, yeah, of course, because right off the top of your head, the only two that you necessarily think of to start with are, oh, yeah, Lex Luthor and General Zod, and that's from Superman 2, for Christ's sake. That only just got into the comics in the last Dark side. eight or ten years. But yeah, it's the Dark Side and Metallo and Doomsday and Mongol. And yeah, if you want to get on the lighter side, Mixoplick and Toy Man, either of which could very easily be made into an insane Joker type style. They have not necessarily, but they could be. Yeah. It's not that light a roster that you got to prop up if you stop and think for a few minutes. I mean, there is nothing in this character uh, that is all that different from Mongol. Right. I, you know, screaming, I hate Kryptonians and punching Superman through a wall. That's Mongol. Yeah, it seems to me that you could have written a a different story. <laughs> could have if if we're trying to build on the work that Tomasi Gleason and Jurgens have done with Superman as a member of a family, what is a a threat to a family? Like and and build your villain from there. Yeah, and again, this is 12 pages. And we're about to have a six issue arc and there's at least one decision I made. Uh, I, I made, I didn't make any decisions. I want to buy the book and read it like everybody else. There's one decision uh, that I saw that I agree with. At least one of the issues of Bendis's man of steel miniseries that's coming out. Kevin McGuire from justice league international is going to be doing the art. So, okay. That's good, good. choice. Uh, I like that. So, <laughs> so I've, I've got, I'm hopeful for it. You know, yeah. again, you're name checking one of my favorite Superman series ever. And I have hopes for it. But some of the stuff going on behind it, uh, all right, let's see how you execute it. Yeah, let's let's just get past this six-issue miniseries and then maybe move off of Superman and, and do the epic work that we all know that you should be doing on, on Ambush, Ambush Bug. Bug. We've been talking about this for weeks uh, around the dining room table. <laughs> you show respect. You go to Keith Giffen. You work with him. Make it a co-plotted book. Yep, yep. You do the dialogue if you want to, but son of a bitch, you write some Ambush Bug, Bendis. You know you want to. You know we need to read it. Get the bug, Bendis. <laughs> Oh, Jesus, you're going to have to be more specific. That sounds like a terrible curse to put on somebody. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, there's some positives in this story. There's some things to be very apprehensive about. On the whole, uh, the issue itself, there was more good to it than eh. Yeah, I mean, I nitpick. It was it was well-written. It was well-paced. It, I just, everything that looks like it's going to be a cosmic level event, like, oh, we've got this guy from outer space that you're right, could be completely interchangeable with Mongol. Yeah. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited for this original idea. Oh, yes. It's certainly, you're far different than the Eradicator. (laughs) That does nothing to build on the work that was really done lovingly by the three creators on the books before you. Okay. Yes. uh, Certainly, Cyborg Superman, he doesn't hate Kryptonians and have the power to kill Superman. (laughs) (laughs) Two more added to the rogues gallery yeah. <laughs> just off the top of our heads. Hank Henshaw. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I imagine uh, next week we're going to be talking, obviously, about Infinity War. Yes. Uh, maybe, uh, I think we'll have no choice but to talk about at least the first issue. I think first issue of Man of Steel is next week. If it's out, we'll talk about it. Sure, why not? In the meantime, anything else about this? It's no. A, I, we're, I just, I wish that I had more enthusiasm for Bendis, but... The fuckery that he brought to Marvel and the books that he was writing for them shortly before his exit have left me absolutely unenthusiastic for him. Yeah, but it's also that's why I'm I'm hopeful 
uh, okay, here's something brand new. All right, stoke the creative juices, do some cool shit because it's impossible to understate how much or it, uh, to underestimate rather how much he did when he first how much creative stuff. Oh, he did absolutely. When he first got to Marvel. I, yeah. I still enjoyed all of the work that he did on um, Ultimate Spider-Man. I Powers is a great book. <laughs> yeah, his Avengers run. Uh, starting with new Avengers is second to none. And yeah, it started with a, okay, let's blow up everything you think about the Avengers starting with let's kill Hawkeye, which yeah. drove people bullshit back at the time. You know, geez, let's kill Jack of hearts. You know, we're our crises, even killing the B characters. Like, you can only <laughs> ever see in Avengers and you're going to put Luke cage on the Avengers with that was good comics. So yeah, it was easy to be apprehensive, and I am apprehensive about what we're seeing here, but it could lead to some really awesome stuff. So okay, I'll see what he I'll, I'll, I'll see what he's batting with. Hopefully this is okay, this now I'm in a completely new place and I get to do completely new things that maybe he never thought he would do be able to do before. I mean, let's face it, he's playing with a he's playing with Superman. Yeah. Maybe he'll do something really cool with it. I'm hopeful. Maybe. But, yeah, you're fucking with panel one of Action Comics 1. Do it right. <laughs> exactly. All right. Is there anything else or should we wrap it up? I think we can wrap it up. All right. So, don't know where you found this particular podcast because God knows it's uh, <laughs> it's infrequent enough. <laughs> However, you can always find us and you can subscribe to the podcast so whenever we do do them, you will get them, honest to God, at our home website, crisisoninfinitemidlives.com. Uh, we are on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash crisis on infinite midlives. We are on Twitter. Twitter handle is at infinite midlife. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are on Tumblr, but don't bother. Uh, <laughs> but if you want to crisis on infinite midlives.tumblr.com, uh, we are on iTunes. You can also subscribe to the show there to guarantee that you get it when we do do it. <laughs> and we are going to try to be better. It's just been a bitch. 2018 has been weird. Hopefully it stops being weird and we'll do this more regularly. But yes, you can subscribe to us there. Uh, You can leave a comment or a review, uh, which would help new people find the show, as would us doing it more often. But we'll try to hold up our end. Uh, We're we're on TuneIn Radio. We're Mm -hmm. on Stitcher Radio. We're on Google Play. And we are hopefully still proud members of the Comics (laughs) Podcast Network. We'll find out. Yes. (laughs) And you can always email us, crisisoninfinitemidlives at gmail.com. And I think that is it. That is it. Uh, This has been episode 147 of the Crisis on Infinite Midlife show. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. Thank you for listening and derp. I'm not even supposed to be here today.